Hello and welcome to the Riverbed Technical Podcast with your hosts, Phil Gervasi, that's me, Brandon Carroll, and our guest today, John Piddle, our Professional Services Chief Technology Officer, which means he knows a few things. So, John, hello. How are you? And please, if you could, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hello, guys. Great to be here with you today. Uh, exciting topic. So I'm services CTO at Riverbed. Uh, my role is to help our largest customers fully integrate our products and get the most value out of the data that we provide and the, and the capabilities of uh, visibility, performance, um, and really leveraging that technology to benefit the IT organization. So my focus is around adoption, um, getting to the value of the products, and I'm excited to be here today to be talking about WANOP and SD-WAN. Yeah, we are too. It sounds like you're pretty close to the technology then, really where the rubber meets the road, but you have a good balance with what the value that the technology brings to the marketplace. It's not, it's not just bits and bytes for you. Although it's certainly part, right? Well, indeed. And, Good. you know, yeah. what What really uh, floats my boat, if you will, is seeing our customers adopt and get value from their investment in Riverbed. And, um, you know, using services to help with that adoption, help with that implementation, help guide, you know, where where's the best places to insert integration into various uh, service management workflows or capacity planning or DevOps, um, I mean, the full spectrum of IT process is is where we play. Mm -hmm. So from a services perspective, we we help with all of that. And it's exciting to see when, you know, mission accomplished and full value is achieved. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've known Brandon for some years and I know he and I both appreciate, you know, the relationship of technology to business and the value and all that stuff. But we are also very much nerds. So we do like talking about the, you know, in the weeds technical stuff. So I'm glad to have you here. So let's get into today's show. And it's specifically looking at application acceleration and SD-WAN, Software-Defined Wide Area Networking. Really, we wanna look at how these two technologies work together or not, really. So let me start by throwing it out to both of you and asking you a question. In your experience, in your opinion, in your expert knowledge, what problem or maybe problems does SD-WAN actually solve? Let's start with that. I'll, I'll jump in on that one. And I'll tell you the easy answer is what everybody else says. SD-WAN solves every problem right that's that's a lot of times what you'll hear is that uh, we're we're migrating to SD-WAN because it's going to solve all our problems and yeah. and it's some people think it's just this magic wand that they can wave now it's true that it it does solve several problems uh, it, it helps you make uh, the better use out of your your uh, links having multiple types of of connectivity uh, bringing up new sites um, it, it's easy to bring up a new site and onboard a branch. Um, so there are a lot of benefits that that it does solve. But I think still, and the reason that we're having this show, and this is just my personal belief, is even though SD-WAN has so many tools that are brought together into this overarching solution that, that benefit uh, networks, 
it still doesn't solve every problem. It is not a magic wand that you just wave and it fixes every problem. And so that's why I think I want to, it's nice to be able to talk about these two technologies and really kind of look at whether they do fit together or don't and kind of debunk some of the things Mm -hmm. that are said that really just frankly, in my opinion, aren't true. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, from what you said, uh, and by the way, I value your personal opinion. That's that's what's important is that personal experience of working the technology. There's no video on this podcast, but right now while we're recording, there is, and I can see John laughing at me. So I'm going to call you out on that in a little bit and ask you why you're laughing. But what you explained so far, Brandon, is like a network operations thing, bringing up sites faster, managing your 150, 250 branch routers from one spot. Uh, deploying certificates, templatizing configuration, of course, you know, resiliency, fault tolerance, having your three different, four different links and all that stuff. All that stuff speaks to, to me at least, um, you know, resiliency, fault tolerance, and then the benefits to network operations, the pro- solving the problems that flow from managing a lot of branch offices and then wanting to keep them up all, all the time. That's kind of where SD-WAN fits, right? Yeah. And don't you think, too, uh, that there's something and I don't know if, how to make the differentiation. And I'm sure you'll probably say it a lot more eloquently than I will. But I think there's all that management piece that SD-WAN solves and and handling network operations. And then there's there's the traffic once it's on that network. Mm. And and I think there's a, a piece there that we need to talk about that, you know, maybe it's part of that overall operations. Uh, but I think there, there still is sort of a differentiation in, in benefits to, to SD-WAN. There's the benefits to to uh, the, the network architecture, bringing the networks up, uh, adding, scaling, all of that stuff. But then there's also benefits to the traffic itself and the experience that users have yeah. once you've migrated to SD-WAN. Okay. Well, yeah, let me jump in with the people side of this as well. So, I mean, one major benefit is instead of dealing with configuration files and typing in configlets by hand, we're now dealing with policies. Mm-hmm. And those policies are in essence self-defining, self-documenting, and a whole lot easier to share with non-technical folks, the design of the network, the flow of the network visually through the resulting um, visual representation of those policies. And then when there is a change, like adding on a new site, uh, if you were doing this by hand, you might have to go out and touch every router in the network if you have a full mesh VPN. So now you just deploy the new, you, you update the policy with the new site, you push go and all routers get updated with that new policy change basically representing the addition of a new site coming into the full mesh VPN. So whether it's QoS, whether it's uh, routing, whether it's reachability and VPN, um, choosing the best path in a multi-path branch office dynamically. And, you know, even, even, you know, and that's the operational side, Brandon, that you were talking about, which is, hey, adapting to the conditions of the network dynamically picking the best path uh, out of a site and hopefully alerting operations at the same time. Hey, I just switched paths because path A is not feeling so good, kind of like the old EIGRP days of picking the best path based on metrics. Um, 
So, so those are huge benefits. But I do have customers that say, look, I don't need WANOP anymore because mm-hmm. um, I'm going to SD-WAN. And while SD-WAN does solve some big problems, it doesn't solve all problems. Okay. So, yeah, I've been I've been uh, designing, selling, you know, SD WAN solutions from several different vendors for a long time, for a long time. Now, well, when I say a long time, for since SD WAN became a lot more ubiquitous, you know, so maybe four years or so, uh, I got some formal training in various vendors, and I'll tell you the network operations benefit of having to templatize configuration, like you mentioned, John, that is a huge, huge selling point. That's when I've seen my customers' eyes light up when I can say, hey. You know, yeah, you can have fault tolerance. And they're like, well, I already do that with OSPF and metrics. And the, yeah, okay, all right, fair enough. Um, but, you know, you can manage all of your few hundred routers from one spot. You get the visibility. You get the ability to push your certificates. So they're all, uh, that's when folks' eyes light up. And however, when we're talking about migrations to the cloud, to AWS, Azure, wherever, we're talking about the integration of SaaS applications. Let's not, I'd be remiss if we didn't go there. Making that easier is a big part of the, the migration to SD-WAN as well. So I have I have applications that, you know, live in my on-premises data center that haven't migrated, maybe because they can't, fine. I have them in a co-location facility because I'm trying to reduce my my footprint of the one that I'm leasing. And I have uh, a footprint in Azure and I have uh, SaaS applications. Now I have this, this you know, hodgepodge of environments and visibility gets difficult. Um, they're all branches, really. They're all nodes on the graph and it gets difficult to manage. How do I ensure though, that the performance is gonna be great? Is this where you're going, John? Because when it comes down to it, I can fail over from one link that's acting pretty, that's that's behaving poorly to another link that's maybe also mediocre. That doesn't solve the problem, does it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, the other, the other long pole in the tent is latency and SD-WAN does not solve for latency. And in fact, you could be introducing more latency than what you had on your MPLS network. And, and you know, one of the drivers behind SD-WAN is, hey, let's go use internet links instead of mm-hmm. uh, MPLS links. So from a bandwidth perspective, that's certainly a reasonable argument. But but what's not so obvious is what, what kind of changes to the network path end to end are you injecting when mm-hmm. you're now on the internet, you're no longer on a known, quote unquote, known provider where you can go to that provider and ask questions about the backbone and the pathing and, you know, options for quality of service across their backbone. That's all gone now with using the internet as a transport. Mm-hmm. So you really have to face the reality that yes, while you do have more bandwidth, the reality is you have no quality of service and you have no guarantees of service. So even if you have multiple ISPs coming out of a site, the the, the problem is not totally solved. Each of those ISPs is, uh, is not gonna be able to provide QoS and cannot guarantee latency end to end between sites. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, that's that's where, you know, we, we and I think we're going to deep dive into latency a little bit more in terms of yeah. some some ideas on how to think about that. But, Brandon, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah, I was thinking, you know, with, with what you were saying there, it is interesting when you look at how SD-WAN is often presented. You know, you talked about policies and, and things being done through policies and you look at all these capabilities that are that are in that policy to watch these multiple links. But at the end of the day, 
what what are we really building with a with an SD WAN? We're building an overlay in most cases, right? And we're sending our different types of packets through a policy that might apply QoS on our side, and then throw it into that tunnel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then once it's in that tunnel, and whether we're using an LTE connection or we're using an internet connection or we're using an MPLS, once it's once it's shipped off, it's tunneled traffic. And then I think that's where a lot of people fail to remember that there's still influences, uh, latency still influences that traffic once it's handed off to the provider and goes hop by hop by hop by hop and provider to provider to provider. Mm-hmm. You're still going to experience latency. And even though you might be able to apply certain tools like QoS on your side and then drop the traffic in that tunnel, it doesn't fix the latency in the path. Well, I do want to be fair because I don't see the term QoS used by, you know, all, all SD-WAN vendors. They are, you know, they'll they'll come out and say, you know, you can, we'll do our different types of path probing and then you give us your metrics. Uh, we have to stay under 15 milliseconds for this application or that application or this much, fine. And then we'll choose the path accordingly. So it's not, it's not really QoS in the sense that we have queuing and buffers and all that. But you're, you're right. Well, you here are your here are my metrics. My application needs this uh, uh, certain you know this is the, these are the thresholds. And if none of my links meet that, or it's in and out, then my application's not going to perform well. And if you're talking about certain uh, industries, certain lines of business, and certain types of applications that are probably more mission critical, you know, there's no wiggle room. You know, I've 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 have I've had customers where they had certain you know financial or healthcare where the applications were very sensitive, and that was that, and it became a deal breaker. Now, here's the thing. I still think that SD-WAN is the WAN of the future. Actually, it's the WAN of today, and it's it's going to replace regular routers anyway. So that's fine. But it became a deal breaker in the sense that, you know, one of the arguments going into many sales cycles was, hey, let's get rid of all your MPLS. And for some customers, that became a uh, uh, that that had to get taken off the table. We had to leave their private MPLS circuits in a lot of places because of the nature of how sensitive certain applications were. There was it was a non-negotiable. So we ended up, yes, reaping the benefits. My customers reaped the benefits of of. Um, uh, the overlays, uh, you know, uh, unified approach to managing the WAN, great uh, to visibility, to templatizing and configuration, um, all that stuff. Absolutely. And of course, fault tolerance. That's that those are all great, but it didn't solve the problem of of performance. Yeah. Um, so so, John, if I could, um, l- let's dig into latency a little bit. Can you tell me wh- why latency is a problem? Maybe even tell us the types of latencies that we should be thinking about. Sure. So, you know, latency is, is it, it's a term that's used differently by different people in different contexts. So it's, it's, let, let me just offer this as a, as a, as a, as an anchor uh, for this discussion. So when I'm referring to latency here, um, I'm thinking of it in terms of the speed of light propagation delay. It's something that you can do nothing about. It, it's not, I'm not talking about queuing, that I, I consider that to be more of congestion. It's just how long does it take to get the signal from one end to the other end? Okay. Um, in such a way that, you know, you can't influence it. It's physics, speed of light propagation delay. Um, and that, of course, can change based on am I looking at 
you know, what what media am I using? Is it fiber? And most of the time these days it is fiber, but maybe you're handing off to a satellite, you know, over, especially in an international site or some cellular technology, um, LTE, GSM, maybe, you know, maybe even you're on 5G, which is high, high bandwidth, but latency is still latency. So distance is... Um, and, and we're not talking about how the crow flies. We're talking about how the traffic actually traverses. So you could be on a fiber ring, have a ring wrap, and now all of a sudden latency has increased or even doubled because you're now going across a different physical path on that on that fiber ring. Um, or let's say you are having to go through some uh, internet exchanges in order to get from ISP number one to ISP number two to ISP number three. So if something happens at that internet exchange and now there's a BGP um, event that causes traffic to be going through a different internet exchange, you could easily double uh, latency. And, and there's no alerting on that. There's no layer you know, layer one, layer two, layer three alert saying, hey, the link is down. The link is still up. It's just a heck of a lot slower, which is why, you know, when we were talking about the benefits of some of these newer SD-WAN devices, yeah, if they're doing path probes and they're paying attention to -to end-to-end latency on a per-destination basis, and that's kind of key, on a per-destination basis, um, that's great that it could detect, yeah, something is slower. Let's try to get it on a faster path if we can. But either way, um, whether we detect or we don't detect it, it will impact application performance. And when you impact application performance, you're starting to impact user productivity and then ultimately business velocity. And and we've got to do everything mm-hmm. we can to protect business velocity and and user productivity. Right. Um, so latency, there's a there's a very simple formula in terms of uh, uh, how pain how pain how painful is pain. Um, when we talk about latency and and trying to figure out the pain, there's another element called turns. So a turn is simply a request response uh, interaction request going up to a destination, a response coming back request response is one turn. If you have a lot of turns, each delay, each turn has a minimum of one round trip time, which is a function of latency. So the higher the latency, the more painful each turn is going to be. And the higher the turn rate, the more painful each turn is going to be. So a simple formula to remember is latency times turns equals pain. You increase either latency or turn rate, you're going to be in pain. So you could actually have a a, a fairly low latency, let's say 11 milliseconds. I was working with a customer doing a data center migration where the target data center was 11 milliseconds round trip time away. And you think, well, that's not that bad. But there were some very high turn rate transactions that were were just not going to work out for that particular user community at all. There had to be some remediation done to to reduce turns or insert some Mm -hmm. man optimization. 
And sometimes you can't reduce turns. It's just not possible. Like SMB and distributed file systems, shared drives, the H drive, et cetera, any kind of SMB mapping. Um, you're, you know, you're stuck. There's just nothing, nothing you can do to reduce the turn rate. Um, so I'm going to kind of turn it over to you guys to see if that if that makes sense that, you know, the latency discussion, the turn rate, anything I can clarify there? Or are you feeling pretty good about that? Well, it's it sounds like then that it is not always a matter of a problem with the network that's, you know, that's causing latency and turns that it could be non-network uh, devices or, or uh, you know, Protocols. things like that. Is that Just, correct? Yeah, it could be the protocol. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it could be the protocol. It could All be right. the way the application is written. You know, we still see applications that are using HTTP 1.0. And mm. there's we see applications that are using um, inefficient caching strategies mm -hmm. where you get HTTP 304s for every request saying, hey, just use what's in your cache. So... Um, those are not network issues. It feels like network mm. issues. It's just increasing the turn rate and unproductive traffic on the network. TCP window sizing is another component that can mm -hmm. that can help you move more data over time. But you can't get away from this latency time turns equals pain. Okay. There's just no way. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 listen, I I I've taught courses on SD WAN. I'm sold on the technology, but it sounds like that's not going to solve a uh, you know, your H drive mapping and your SMB share, right? Or problems with it, I should say. Exactly, okay. exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there are corporate uh, policies. There are many companies that have corporate laptop policies that implement an H drive and users don't even know um, <clears throat> that that they're low, what they think is local is actually being mapped to a remote drive. And mm -hmm. in the branch office days, I know nobody's in a branch office these days, but some will be returning that your, your local branch office is where your file server is. So you move away from that branch office, maybe you're visiting another branch office or you're working from home, and now you've got a high turn rate impacting Windows performance and Windows behavior through File Explorer. And and th there's nothing you can do about it. It's yeah. just just the way it is. I mean, yet, yes, you can do you can look at some optimization technologies, particularly around client acceleration, host based WAN optimization in this particular case. Um, but you, you can't fix it by adding bandwidth. That's the key. Yeah, and that's tough. As a as a as a network engineer for many years, Brandon, you could probably relate. Uh, bandwidth is always the answer. You know, I can get a gig at my house for very cheap, and you know that that makes me very happy. I want to do jumping jacks in my driveway. I don't have a gig just because I'm cheap, but um, that that is the yeah that is the thing. Like we we believe you know internet has become better quality, internet connectivity, even residential, commercial has become better quality, has become cheaper, uh, easier. Fiber is running everywhere, so that does feel like that's the the solution a lot. So you know, all right, we we got we have a, a problem here, and I guess we're putting this into a problem solution sort of format. So that makes the podcast nice and you know easy to listen to and follow. What how, how do we solve that latency and turn problem? Then I know where we're going with this because we've mentioned application acceleration a few times. So John, can you explain how does application that uh, rather application acceleration fit into that? Does it compete with SD WAN? Is it complementary? How, how do they work together here? Sure, it's totally complementary. Okay. okay. Um, and you know the the role of 
optimization is really around reducing turn rates and reducing latency. If I can serve something up, uh, if I can serve up content locally, whether I'm on the, the client side or the server side, then I'm able to reduce turns and I'm able to reduce the amount of traffic going across the, the WAN. And, and that's not just a bandwidth savings. Yes, you're going to save some bandwidth, but really, who cares about saving bandwidth? What you're saving is you're saving time. You're saving that transport time. You're saving the time to get to the destination and get back. Every time you save one of those, you can bank on the fact that response time will be reduced by that round trip time. It's not negotiable. It's it's just a it's a de facto benefit of serving serving up content locally um, through through WAN optimization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, S- saving bandwidth only matters when you're paying a lot for bandwidth, and you right you don't want to pay like for, I, I mean. That's that's how I look at it. Saving bandwidth is great if if there's a cost that's involved with it that's excessive. Like you used to pay a lot for for uh, MPLS circuits, and then the more bandwidth you order on those, the higher that cost goes. Yeah. So if I could get my bandwidth reduced, I'm not spending as much money there. But aside from that, you know what you yeah. what you were saying there, John is, is spot on. The bandwidth is not really the focus. I don't think. So does application acceleration, it sounds like it focuses on reducing the adverse effects of latency and turns. Do, do I get any benefit that SD-WAN would solve where there's crossover, like path resiliency, you know, um, failover, anything like that? Uh, is there an application acceleration tool where I can manage all my branch routers, things like that? Obviously, I know the answer to that one, you know? Well, so um, in terms of like, WAN optimization and uh, the the complementary nature with with SD WAN. I mean, when you think of a service chaining model, um, if you put the WAN optimization prior to getting to the SD WAN decision making, then you you you've ob- you potentially even removed traffic from getting out to the SD WAN device if it's set up lo- locally. But okay. if it does have to go across the WAN, then there's no reason SD-WAN then won't handle whatever that payload is. And, you know, chances are it's going to be reduced size payload through compression, just one of the de facto benefits. But then SD-WAN routes it the way it's it can be best routed across whatever that branch uh, egress looks like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. managed by the policies that, pe- that, that the team has defined around, around the whole SD-WAN backbone. Okay. So the two things are totally complementary. So John, what is what is the difference then between traditional WAN optimization, which folks are probably pretty familiar with, and then application acceleration? Are they the same? Are they different? Well, um, the way I describe it, it's just it's the same technology in a different form factor. So client acceleration being take the WAN optimization technology put it into an executable you can run on your MacBook or your Windows laptop, and now you have optimization at the client side. So it's it's not handling tens of thousands of connections like everyone at a branch or all the apps in the data center. It's just handling that one user. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it is that same technology. In fact, um, you know, just to give our, give ourselves a little plug, if that's if that's uh, allowed and appropriate. Um, it's the same feature function that's that's mm-hmm. been ported over to an executable that runs on MacBook and runs on uh, runs on Windows. 
Yeah, you yeah. know what? Uh, to add to that, really, um, and I don't know if we've even said this, but we, we've talked about uh, the WAN, and we've talked about SD WAN, and, and I even mentioned overlays earlier. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I don't know, maybe it wasn't mentioned, was, was SaaS applications, and and what does SD WAN really do to a SaaS application? It, it drops it off at the closest right egress, or you know, it might find the best egress to that that SaaS application, but and that's only certain vendors, right? And right? certain SaaS applications. Exactly. So it's, it's even more narrow, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and since organizations are more heavily using SaaS applications in their day-to-day business, um, th- there's still a case that there's still latency that exists there between your SaaS application and your end user. And, and there's still a lot of benefits where the application acceleration features can can make a big difference there. So even if you have an SD-WAN, there's certain cases where it's not going to be in the place that you need it to be to, to solve some of those problems. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, just to give a quick uh, little tidbit of my experience, I had to design an SD-WAN for a large healthcare provider in the United States. Very strict latency requirements for a couple of their applications, one being imaging software, so very, very low latency requirements. And we are looking at a several different vendors doing sort of bake-offs. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up being that they had to keep their MP and then also migrating to their, you know, uh, uh, particular cloud vendor as well. And that whole migration strategy was a couple of years in the making. We had to keep MPLS in place. We had to treat large sites, uh, which were like clinics and things like that. We had to treat them as... Um, almost like data centers, and we had to put large routers in there. And it ended up becoming SD-WAN was purely a network operations play because it did not solve the latency problems. It sounds like the conclusion today, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, SD-WAN is, it is the WAN. That's what we have moving forward. But it doesn't solve the problems of latency. Application acceleration is not SD-WAN. It doesn't solve the problem of fault tolerance and resiliency in network operations, but it solves the problem problems of latency and therefore are completely complementary to a really robust WAN solution. I like that conclusion. I'm going to type that out and sell it to marketing. <laughs> that was good right off the cuff. But w- what do you guys think? <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and there's there's some there's some interoperability um, in terms of application uh, uh, detecting applications. You know, DPI inspection, DPACKET inspection, and and automatic recognition of applications, so that when your WANOP component um, identifies the app and picks the best and appropriate uh, optimization policy and then hands that stream off to SD-WAN, when you can include that application identifier as part of that stream, now SD-WAN can take its application-based policy and apply it and pick the right and most appropriate path across the network. So some, some tight synergy there as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I, I can't wait to have you back on again, uh, John, and really get into the weeds from a technical perspective on, on some of these components, really, and really nerd out with you. Uh, but we're going to wrap it up for today. Uh, this was a lot of fun. So for folks out there, uh, this was uh, John Piddle, Chief Technology Officer, uh, or rather the uh, services, Professional Services Chief Technology Officer for Riverbed. John, where can we find you online? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, um, John Piddle, and... Um, Twitter on end to end viz and number two and viz. Great. And then Brandon Carroll, 
Where can we find you? Yep. You can find me on LinkedIn, of course, and on Twitter at Brandon Carroll. Great. My name is Phil Gervasi. You can find me on Twitter, network underscore Phil, and a little bit more active on LinkedIn these days as well. So uh, this was a lot of fun, guys. Great having you on, John. Talk to you all soon.